This is a Relay Project. Real Talk starts right now. Here's Ryan Jesperson. Bit of a different vibe on this uh, edition of Real Talk as we welcome you on this August 18th. We've canceled some plans that we had for today's show uh, because things are happening. Stories are developing around us, next to us, near us and above us on the map as we look to our fellow Canadians in British Columbia. Uh, a terrifying night are the words that uh, Kyle Bretain used. You remember him on the show, a weather correspondent uh, a few weeks ago. He's out there right now in the heart of B.C.'s Okanagan Valley and overnight development, devastating development with wildfires. And we're going to update you on that. And Yellowknife, if, you, if you're listening to this on the day that we're recording this on Friday, August 18th at noon today, about three hours after we record this show, uh, residents of Yellowknife will have hit that deadline for evacuation. They're doing everything that they can at the airports. They're doing everything that they can with the one highway that comes in and out. We're going to be talking to the Northwest Territories Minister of Environment and Climate Change. He's also the Minister of Municipal and Community Affairs. The Honorable Shane Thompson will join us in about a half an hour's time. We're, we're eager to get a sense of where they're evaluating that evacuation at. There's some people that have said, we don't think, and the ministries, the premier has said this, the mayor of Yellowknife has gone on the record and said, hey, listen, the fire may not reach our city of about 22,000 residents, but that doesn't mean that it's safe to stay. Uh, they have plans and they've already initiated some controlled burns. They're trying to have this fire burn back, a controlled fire burn back to where the big one is and and of course that means that air quality is going to get even worse than it is now plus things can change in a hurry with wildfire uh, we're grateful that the minister is going to make some time for us thus this change in our plan which is what you expect from a show like real talk where we bring you news politics and pop culture as those stories develop we'll get an update on those fires plus we're going to get your emails today on alberta's skyrocketing energy costs we've got some really strong feedback from our conversation yesterday should birth control be free in canada and Trash Talk is going to be all fired up today, presented by our friends at Local Environmental Services. Uh, we've got some feedback from Tristan Hopper in my conversation about Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate and Pierre Polyev and uh, Joe Rogan, and uh, we're going to get to those. Not just the flattering feedback, not just the emails, those of you telling us how much you love the show. It's real talk, after all doesn't happen without our presenting sponsor and this episode of real talk is presented by rello you can find them online at rello.ca that's r-e-l-o you know summer's kind of winding down before you know it the kids are going to be back at school and you know some folks are going to be getting back into their regular work routine but for the past i don't know six to eight weeks a lot of your friends and neighbors have had vacation on the brain, but you've been thinking bigger than that, haven't you? You know that summer, like right now, is the best time to take that real estate course you've been thinking about and start a career that you actually love, a career you can actually thrive in. Why not leave cubicle life behind for good with Rello? Rello's online real estate courses are fully accredited to help you get your real estate license in Alberta. Get licensed to sell residential real estate, commercial real estate, or both with Rello's convenient self-paced courses. You can visit Rello.ca today to get started.
Well, these are stories like like many Canadians. These ones are, are personal for us, uh, like you. Uh, Johnny and I both have friends that live uh, in particular in BC and around that Kelowna area. We are going to be talking about Yellowknife. That's been the big national focus for the past few days for obvious reasons. But uh, even as we've been sitting here preparing for the show this morning, getting ready for work, your phone's been blowing up from, yeah. I mean, you guys just moved back from that area about a year ago. Yeah, about a year ago. And we, it was the first time we had experienced wildfire up that close was uh, the summer yeah, two summers ago, and it just it gets really scary when it gets close, when it gets a mile away, when you can see the smoke, and then when you can start to see the embers and the and the, and the, the golden hue. But uh, yeah, a friend of mine just sent me this video last night. So this is his home in uh, West Kelowna, right by the harbor, right where the water meets West Kelowna, where you can boat in. So, oh, well, here's an update. We are getting the hell out of here. We are getting the hell out of here. Ooh. Later, West Harbor. So, so for that people would... that are listening to that on the podcast, <clears throat> that's like there's like a picture of of a home in the foreground, and then just a halo of wildfire in the landscape behind. Very close, about a mile or a half mile away. And I just talked to him this morning. He's in a hotel in Penticton. His whole family they were all evacuated. He's got two kids and a wife who he took out there. And uh, he just told me today, uh, one of his businesses, the Okanagan Beach Club, if you live in Kelowna, you've been to Kelowna, maybe you've uh, boated into the Tiki Bar there, it's it's totally gone. It's been burned to the ground by the beach, uh, as well as a store that he also owns, which which sells, uh, you know, kind of like a 7-Eleven, but more local, sure. you know, liquor and, and, and food and stuff like that. And he said his house is is close to being uh, burnt up right now. West Kelowna, this guy lived literally about six minutes from where we had our condo. So that's well, really, these are really scary like stuff. populated areas. Uh, we want to show some video, and these are all credit of Kyle Bretain. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Bretain WX. Uh, he's out there. You remember he was on Real Talk, I guess it was about a month ago, mm-hmm. talking about his wildfire coverage, and, and people can look back in our archives to learn a little bit more about him. But his visuals here are astounding. He described... Uh, last night as as a quote terrifying night in the okanagan valley and kyle's seen it all yeah you know for a guy like kyle when you you saw him on our show and he's 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 kind of stoic he's he's a very skilled uh videographer and storyteller but he he lets his images speak for themselves for him to use a word like terrifying and i think it fits when when you're starting to get a sense of how big these fires are and how quickly they're spreading uh, you know they're describing this this fire jumped the lake it jumped the lake from west Kelowna to north Kelowna. i don't even know visually in my mind how that's possible but high winds are causing and winds right now, so, yeah it's, yeah. it's in, in dry conditions and and obviously, we're going to ask, you know, we're, we're sort of this is sort of a tale of two cities today on the show because we're going to be talking about Kelowna and we're going to be talking about Yellowknife uh, with that minister, with Minister Thompson, uh, who's going to be joining us in just a little bit, 25 minutes or so from now. But, the, you know, the question is as well is, is everyone going to be able to evacuate safely? Can they get out in time? Mm-hmm. There are these ominous kind of undertones they're probably overtones and how plainly they're being stated but you hear for example the mayor of Yellowknife yesterday doing an interview saying we need to be able to to get people out on the highway 
while we still have the use of it. Yeah. You know, we need to get people out of the airport while we can still use the runway. It's absolutely insane. And so we saw it yesterday and we were talking a little bit about it. And, and, and some of you had sort of provided some background perspective or, or different perspectives from family members that had been trying to catch flights out of Yellowknife. We showed you some Air Canada flights. One of them, I think that was about $6,500 off the top of my head. Yeah. And obviously this has been something that's been big. The, the government reached out. The federal government was in touch with Air Canada, WestJet as well. They've been increasing the number of planes. Another interesting situation, they're, they're upping the baggage limits. And so they're, they're allowing people, obviously, I'm sure, within still safe parameters, but, but allowing people to bring more bags than they'd have. Um, Air Canada releasing a statement, and we wanted to follow up on this story because it, it looks like, I mean, you know, if it looks like a duck and walks <laughs> like a duck, you know, it looked like Air Canada was gouging people that were trying to get out a yellow knife, mm -hmm. right? And uh, their statement read yesterday, this was released late last night. We wanted to read this and follow up. Quote, we also monitor the pricing on aircanada.com to ensure that capped fares continue to display as intended. Rest Rest assured, we get them corrected as soon as possible, and we refund passengers who inadvertently purchase a fare before it gets corrected by our team. Yeah, now, there was public outcry. I, I want to kind of retract what I said because I got a little heated during the show yesterday when we talked about this, but I did see some tweets that said some of these uh, pictures of like $4,000, $6,000 flights were people who had canceled first class uh, seats at the last minute. But they have been adding, Air Canada released a statement, they've been adding more uh, planes, more seats, and uh, very, very modestly priced uh, seats. So I saw that this morning and I was like, oh, I better retract what I said well, yesterday because I, I got heated. retract it and it's okay to get heated mm -hmm. because I don't know that we necessarily always need to pat big corporations on the back for doing the obvious right thing. And sometimes when it takes a lot of public pressure, when it mm -hmm. takes government pressure and a company finally comes around, that is what we expect that company 100%. to do. That's not something where we start applauding them and elevating yeah. them. But a shout out to the crew, I mean, it's the pilots, the flight attendants, mm -hmm. those that are working on the tarmacs, loading the bags. We always want to think of these people. And what a stressful time. You see those lines. We'll ask the minister about this, but the lines at the airport are in insane. Yellowknife, people trying to get out. I saw one gal that was interviewed by CBC, um, and, and she was uh, talking about the community that she grew up in, uh, a First Nations community just outside Yellowknife. And uh, brave face. She had on a brave face, but there were tears welling up in her eyes. And she talked about how everything she had known. She said, as a little girl, everything that I have known growing up is gone. She was describing the drive to the airport and, and what she had seen there. So it's it's just an absolutely uh, wild and devastating time of year and, and one that demands our focus. You know, you sort of of these ebbs and flows of what we've started to describe and maybe shows like this, maybe we're guilty. Uh, we're describing this as wildfire season and we're kind of normalizing that kind of talk like, but Oh, it's, it's wildfire <laughs> season, you know? And in May and into June of this year, we were seeing record fires here in Alberta. And now here we are mid August and we're seeing what's flaring up in the Northwest territories in BC again, kind of un unprecedented stuff going on. And yeah, it just hit home when, you know, I saw my friend post last night and then I texted him. I said, Hey, I hope everything's okay. And he says, it's not. And he sent me that video. And then an hour later, he's like, we're gone. We're in Penticton. And then this morning I checked in with him at about 5 AM. He's like, yeah, the store's gone. The beach club is gone. My house is next. So I, I didn't even know what to say to him. I wanted to get him on the show, but obviously he's dealing with too much right yeah. now to do that. So, yeah, it, but it, it's just, it's, it's horrible. Everybody and everyone's got their kind of personal connection, right? 
Um, Justin, for example, says my parents are, you know, are currently living in West Kelowna. They've been sending us videos. Uh, Justin, if you want us to show those uh, on the show, you know where to find us. You can email those to talk at ryanjesperson.com or you can just tag us on social media, uh, tag us on Twitter. I have a friend. Um, I, I don't have her permission to share this and I don't need to make it personal, but, but she started uh, her next round of chemo yesterday. Yeah. Um, she's fighting stage 4B metastatic cancer and uh, she's younger than me. Mm-hmm. And what are they thinking about uh, as they're on their way to the Cross Cancer Institute for her to start her next round of chemo? They're thinking about their home in Kelowna. They're thinking about their property there, their investment there. That's weighing heavy on their heart as mm-hmm. she's heading to this other thing that's weighing very heavy on her. These are just these are like two stories that we're telling of people. And you We've hear these a heavy evacuations week. of tens of thousands of people. Uh, if you have a story that you'd like us to hear or if you'd like uh, to put us in touch with somebody uh, that you think, uh, you know, potentially could could use this platform to send an important message or reach this audience, uh, you can send us an email anytime. Look at some more of these photos here. This is, again, uh, from Kyle Bretain. Uh, looks like he changed his Twitter handle to Bad Weather Kyle. That's a, that's kind of a good. I like that. This is the one I saw this morning. Look at this. Really... For, I mean, for, for those that are listening on the podcast, this is kind of one of those days where you should watch the show on YouTube. But look at that. That is like, is that the West Bank, Johnny? I don't know. It's tough to tell what direction they're looking. But like, this this may look like uh, from downtown or that area looking across to either north or west. Yeah. Just wild. And look at this. I mean, these images are astounding. Yeah, that's definitely well northwest so you've got uh, on on the right hand on the right side of the image you've got Kelowna proper and and all of these properties and and the condo towers and the businesses the bars the restaurants and then you just have this ominous fire fast approaching that upper portion there is is where the Okanagan Beach Club and his store and everything was up there it's kind of like a resort slash retirement community up there um, but just insane like these photos just yeah I mean Kyle just does an amazing job telling tough stories uh, you know, I, I kind of see some cynicism. I'll call it seventh pilot on our live chat here who says if you people would just pay more carbon tax, we could stop these fires. Just donate. Don't wait for the tax. Um, you know, I mean, you know, I, I mean, Jesus. I guess, you know, if, if 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 you're in the business of trying to, like, come up with zingers and punchlines as people are evacuating cities, then that's fine. But but it does reiterate to us a couple of things, doesn't it? Number one. That politicians uh, and experts and scientists and, you know, people that are working for nonprofits in the space, environmental science, uh, et cetera, are going to talk to us about the undeniable impact of climate change, uh, the undeniable factor or role that it plays. I talked to Alberta's premier about it here in studio. We've had many, many conversations about it. And you can just check out the thumbnails on our YouTube channel. They're, they're very easy to find. And, and then there are people that don't believe at all that climate change is a factor. And then there are people that do believe that climate change is a factor, but don't believe that we're going about addressing climate change the right way. And I think that's a different camp. I think it's okay. I think it's okay to have healthy conversations about what the best way is to address climate change and to take action on it. But here's the thing. There's a timeline, right? You imagine these... uh, what are the things called? An hourglass. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the things where the sand falls through. And there's something very peaceful and calming about an hourglass until it gets near the end. And then, I don't know, I, I've always felt kind of an anxiety about it. Have you? Of, of course. Like, yeah. it, it, I guess it depends what it's relating to. But like as an hourglass makes its way down. And, and I don't think we need to sit here and be dramatic. We don't need to employ dramatic language to send a message here. The pictures and the images speak for themselves. And so 
you know, people are going to say we got to be carbon neutral or we got to be net zero by 2050 or we've got to have an electricity grid that's net zero by 2035 or China has to sign on to have a net zero economy by 2060 and and then the politicians get involved and then it starts getting into that partisan kind of nasty zone that you all know about and and then where do we find ourselves arguing and bickering and at each other's throats about something a bigger picture issue the future and fate of human beings on planet earth where we're all invested something that impacts all of us so we try to keep our conversations on the tracks on the rails yeah they can swerve and veer and we'll make time for the odd bombastic take but at the end of the day let's not forget about why we're talking about what we're talking about We're going to get into your response to Alberta's skyrocketing energy prices in just a second. We're going to get into some of the politicians that are trading barbs. We're going to touch on a couple of uh, tweets in particular from Alberta's premier and the federal environment minister back at each other again this week, just a couple of days ago, and then yesterday a response. And so we want to put that in front of you. It feels like the right time to remind you what Kubi Renewable Energy is doing. This is Western Canada's busiest solar installer, proudly based out of Edmonton, Calgary, and Kamloops, BC. Uh, Kubi right now has an opportunity for those electricians or apprentices that are looking for a change of pace, that are looking to be part of Canada's green energy movement. If you check out kubienergy.ca, you can check out their blog posts, some of the really neat information that they have about grants and funding available for new solar projects. You can find out more about the company, check out the projects that they've installed on farms, big buildings like the Edmonton Convention Center, and of course, hundreds and hundreds of homes. And then you can check out the careers link and find out more about what it would look like to join their team. Help them grow clean energy in Canada at kubienergy.ca. This weekend, if you're looking for something special, why not visit a Friesen Brothers? There's 16 of them across the province of Alberta still Family owned, have been for coming up on almost 70 years. I love this Alberta Chuck Burger box that they've got. You can find it in store and craft your dream burger from there. You can even order it online at Friesen.com. That's F-R-E-S-O-N.com. They get you hooked up with the buns and the bacon. They get you set up with all the condiments, the cheese, and of course, the Alberta Chuck. You can find out more about it by visiting Friesen.com. Our friends at Athabasca University want to remind you that if this is the time of year you're starting to put a plan in place, or at least think about putting a plan in place for the fall, if you're maybe looking at a new career opportunity, maybe there's a course you've always wanted to take, or heck, maybe there's a full degree program that's always kind of been in the back of your mind, but you feel like it's too big a step. You don't know if you can make it to a university campus every day, or or maybe you've got a big event coming up, or maybe you're caring for a parent, or maybe you've got a baby at home. Whatever the case is, AU is a perfect fit for thousands of Canadians because their world-class accredited online programs and courses offer their students the flexibility to learn at their own pace on a schedule that suits their lifestyle. And don't just listen to us. I mean, check out the tale of the tape. Look what these numbers suggest. More than 95% of Athabasca University grads say they're satisfied with the quality of their education, and 9 out of 10 of them say that they're working in a job related to their field of study. You can get the ball rolling today by visiting AthabascaU.ca.
Listener Justin just sent us some more viz. Oh, yeah? Are you able Kelowna. to upload it and show it in the show? I you can. Do that? So, yeah. uh, okay. You know what you can do, Johnny, is just throw it onto my, uh, we call it the NDI here. Take I'd rather do that. For, for a second. Yeah. And, I, and I'll take people through some of the stuff that we've been talking about here because, uh, you know, this is, is really relevant to a lot of people, especially in Alberta. We have audience across the country, but in particular, Western Canada and Alberta, we've got a lot of real talkers. There's, there's no doubt about that. By the way, I wanted to recognize somebody in our chat. This was a regular from a while ago that had disappeared. And we, we didn't know what happened to Cactus Sheriff. <laughs> but it was pretty sweet to see Cactus Sheriff pop up in the chat yesterday. Mm-hmm. And even more sweet to learn that they had not abandoned or left the show. Yeah. Uh, because of their summer, they had left from our YouTube live stream ah. and they had gone to listening to the podcast. I see a couple so, others here Yeah, today Cactus too. Sheriff pops into the chat yesterday and says, gosh, says there's a lot of new names here in the mm. chat since I was last here. It says, good <laughs> to see the audience growing. Uh, Cactus Sheriff, it was good to have you back in the yeah. chat. We sure appreciate that. I see Anna S, 80s family, two people are back today. But yeah, we, we get it. People are, hey, people man, are doing the summer, summer thing. So. Yeah, yeah, just, you know, we, we get back into our fall routine and, and Real Talk is going to have obviously a great lineup of shows coming up after that Labor Day long weekend and then into the month of September. There's always something happening. And that has been the case this summer. You know, to be honest, we have a a working list of, uh, you know, themed episodes that we'd like to do. And we still maintain that list. But this summer, so much has been happening in the news cycle. What we thought might be some lazy periods of exploratory podcasting just haven't happened. Because we know that you expect this show to get into the issues that are impacting you or the people that you care about and figure out what the hell's going on. And we're taking a look at electricity rates in Alberta right now. That consumer price index, those numbers were out, the CPI numbers. And we talked about this yesterday, how provinces across the country, like, like Newfoundland, sees a, a 6% bump in energy, in electricity prices in particular. We're talking July of 2022 as compared to July of 2023. So it's a year-over-year price comparison. In Quebec, a 3% bump. In BC, a 2% bump. Saskatchewan saw double digits, 12%. Alberta, a triple digit jump, a 128% increase in power prices in the province of Alberta. So I tweeted about this yesterday from my account at Ryan Jesperson. You can also follow us at Real Talk RJ. And I just asked what you would like to see the Alberta government do about this. Okay. What would you like to see the Alberta government do? And I wanted to read some of your comments because there's a lot of them. DJ Chocolate Milk says, this is what Alberta voted for. You know, people in rural Alberta get angry if we try to stop gouging. And they're calling all the shots here. MS says, my car insurance is going down year over year in BC. It was two grand a year in Alberta. Mm-hmm. It's 750 a year okay. in BC. Says it's the same car. Yeah, granted, it's two years older than when I was in Alberta, but a way smaller deductible as well here in BC. That's crazy because we were talking about this yesterday. So I literally got an email last night saying your, your insurance is renewed for your car. It's going to take place on September 29th. That's your first payment. My insurance actually went down only about 12 bucks in Alberta every month for a payment. Yes. Good news for you. You're an outlier. Yeah, that could be a a million different factors. I made all my payments on time. No new tickets, no new whatever. Maybe I don't know what it is, but it did go down about 12 bucks a month. We asked you what you want the UCP to do about power prices. And the burly chef says the honorable thing resign. (laughs) A lot of you called for the government to resign. That's obviously not going to happen. John wants them to tell the truth. 
Steve Manta gets a shout out for me. As a matter of fact, as you can see, I replied with the Ryan Gosling Golden Globes happily satisfied applause gif uh, because I thought that that was appropriate. He says the most obvious and impactful thing they could do right now is put the price cap back in. Not a deferral, which gets billed back to consumers, but an actual price cap. Uh, I'll add an editor's note like the one that Jason Kenney removed when he was premier. Uh, Back to Steve's tweet. He says, let's call it a six month moratorium just until they get it all figured out. It's only six months. Steve, I thought that that was the tweet of the day. Spencer says, I'd like to see the government stop lying about making life affordable for Albertans or bragging about a rebate program that's actually just a payment deferral. I'd like to see something substantive. DJ Phoenix says, remove the fees. That's what's causing bills to be so high. The usage cost, even with rates going higher, wouldn't be that bad if it wasn't for fees, like delivery fees being like three quarters of the bill. Terrence says, here's a thought. What about big rebates for homeowners who install solar? Says, is that too obvious? Rob Taylor out of Calgary says, approve natural gas plants. There's no need to jump. Holus bolus. Is that a phrase? Is that like an, a version of hocus pocus, but holus bolus? I have bolus? no idea. I don't know. Uh, from coal to renewables, uh, even though more renewables is, an also good, is also a good idea if done well. Overall, more capacity will lower prices, says Rob. Going forward, says, do what other provinces are doing. Take government control of the market to reduce all those extra fees. If you look at Alberta, uh, which many will describe across Canada as sort of the wild west of the utilities market, and then you look at where markets are regulated by Mm -hmm. government, um, people are paying less in those markets. I mean, that's just a fact. You know, other people say, well, we'll defend the free market. You know, and uh, there are free market factors at play here, and Alberta just needs to get its hands on or get access to more cheap energy at peak hours. Maybe too simple. David Gray talked about that earlier this week, if you want to check out our episode with him. Meg says, honestly, I'd like to see the government resign. Prices are up to appease their corporate buddies. They've endangered Alberta being a leader in clean renewable energy by abruptly stopping it. You know, these companies are going to go elsewhere, and they're going to continue to spin stories that can't even pretend to hold water. Uppity woman says, I want him to start working for Albertans, not just for CEOs. You know, stop these greedy privatized energy companies from withholding to artificially inflate prices and put the cap back on. Remove the renewables moratorium and get rid of Danielle Smith. That from Uppity Woman, uh, who, by the way, tags on. Some of you had asked us on our tweet, like, what do the numbers actually look like? Sure, Alberta's up 128%, but, but are, you know, does that mean we're still only paying half of what they pay? So what are the actual numbers? Yeah. Uh, Johnny, if you want to throw that one up and we'll take a look. So here, if you had a bill, um, and a, a shout out to data scientist Andrew Friesen, um, Andrew's been on the show before. He says, by popular demand, this is what a 750 kilowatt hour power bill would cost this month right now across Canada. So if you use that amount of power across Canada right now, if you're in, say, Nova Scotia, it's 141 bucks. If you're in PEI, it's 139 If you're in Quebec, it's $63. Jesus. If you're in Manitoba, it's just a hair under 80 And if you're on the regulated rate in Alberta, it's $320.64. BC, by the way, 75 bucks. Mine, so- mine's higher than that. I'll just say it. Yeah. Mine's higher than that. I know. Yeah. I know you guys, yours probably is, is too. You guys, where, do you know? Like we we know what our big power draws are in our home. Yeah, we, do you have a couple things that you? Well, in the summer, we've got an air conditioner 
that we plug in that runs all day and night. And uh, But other than that, no. And I actually had to apologize to my wife because when these increases started and we weren't talking about it yet, I actually thought, I was like, what are you doing? Are we leaving the lights on? Are we running you know, too much heat? Is the heat too high? But no, I look, we have a, we have a TELUS app on our phone. I see, I see when the heat goes up or down. But I had to put in a, like a regulator. So last month, now I just pay a certain amount every month. And if at the end of the year... I've paid too little. I, I pay a bit. If I paid too much, I get a credit back. But I had to do it because our our bill got out of control. Yeah, people are people are referencing many of you in your comments to us, and, to the, and, and there were dozens more, and we appreciate it. Uh, I mean, we could spend all show talking about this, but a lot of you have mentioned this this uh, temporary price cap that had been introduced by the United Conservatives a while back. Uh, that was back in January, I think, off the top of my head, for the regulated rate option electricity consumers to basically limit exposure to high bills during the winter months. And so that winter price cap limits the amount per kilowatt hour that providers can charge consumers. But here's the rub. Uh, the difference is that it's got to be paid back by those consumers over a 21-month period. So the policy is intended to ensure that the pricing is affordable through the heavy-use winter months, but it doesn't mean that the government has introduced a price cap, period. They're not limiting profits. They're deferring the revenue that the companies will collect. They're deferring the profits. So if you saved, in theory, and I'll put this in like lazy layperson's language, if you saved ish i'm doing the air quotes for the podcast listeners six or seven or eight hundred dollars through the winter months thanks to this temporary price cap guess what if you're looking forward to the summer month or to the you know the the time of year where you're not using as much electricity if you're looking forward to that time of year where typically your utility bills have gone down they're not going to do that this time if this is the situation you're in if this is the contract under which you're getting your power because all that money that was taken off your plate on the amount owing side of the ledger, you still owe it and you're still going to pay it back. Now, a bigger part of the conversation is what's Alberta doing with regards to its electricity generation. You know that the province and the country and the world is moving off coal-fired electricity. Now, natural gas is an obvious solution, and we've talked a lot this week about wind and solar. Alberta's premier is firing off at the federal environment minister, Stephen Gilbo, uh, with the tweet this week, she says even Europe rejects the idea that countries can be carbon neutral by 2035. They just don't think it's possible. Alberta shares this opinion, including that 2050 is more realistic to ensure reliable and affordable energy. So why is Minister Stephen Gilbo pushing ahead with his reckless agenda? And then she's got a photo. She's got a photo of EU uh, carbon neutral by 2050 versus, you know, Canadian government, carbon neutral by 2035. Now, here's an interesting thing on Twitter. This wasn't around in the early days of Twitter, but readers can add context now. X. Uh, this is, uh, yeah. They, readers can sort of add here. Then this is one of the steps that, that this social media platform has taken to try to combat misinformation, disinformation on the site. And this is one thing I think that has been an improvement. I do agree. And so people are pointing out here that the Canadian policy that Daniel Smith's uh, tweet refers to is a net zero electricity grid. And the European Union policy that's being cited is a net zero economy, yeah. which is obviously a much more ambitious goal. Uh, the EU's electricity target is net zero by 2035 in line with the Canadian regulation above. So it's the same. Well, you can expect a response, obviously, from the federal environment minister. And, and that's what we got yesterday, who says, nice photo, Premier Smith, nice pick. 
but your facts are just wrong. He says, Canada's goal is net zero by 2050, and we're striving for a clean electricity grid by 2035 to get there. These goals are shared with the United States and other G7 nations. Let's focus on facts and building a strong, sustainable future. So there's a bit of back and forth there. If you want to hear the federal environment minister, Stephen Gilbo, talking about why he is so adamant in getting Alberta to 2035, despite pushback from Uh, politicians like Alberta's environment minister, Rebecca Schultz, who was also on the show last week. You can hear both of those and find them in our archives. Great episode. We're going to be talking to the uh, uh, environment and climate change minister. He's also the municipal and community affairs minister for Northwest Territories. In just a bit, Shane Thompson's going to be joining us. We want to remind you that these conversations happen because of Real Talk sponsors like Apex Automation. They're putting out the call to professional engineers across the country. And heck, if you have your PNG and you're living outside Canada, this episode finds you. Consider it a sign. Apex Automation is one of the fastest growing firms in Canada. And that means that their hiring sign, they don't even turn it off. They're looking for Canada's most skilled engineers with experience in electrical work, instrumentation, computer science, process, mechanical engineering. They're also looking for electricians and instrument technicians They're looking to have a well-rounded team that can deliver turnkey products to their clients. They know that no one professional can do it all on their own. It takes a team. So if the thought of working in natural resources, brewing, tech, robotics, autonomous vehicles appeals to you, don't delay. Check out apexautomation.ca today. All this talk about fire Obviously, we've been talking a lot about flooding in the last while as well. If your family has been impacted by this in Alberta, we want to put Complete Care Restoration on your radar. They were very clear to us when we started our partnership. They said, please let Real Talkers know we don't cross our fingers for fires and floods. They said, we hope that people don't ever have to call us. But if you do experience that gut punch... You're going to want to visit CompleteCareRestoration.ca. They have dedicated experts, professionals in the space that are used to dealing with these types of things and some of the unique challenges that can pop up. Mold, asbestos. I mean, these are experts in construction and renovation that treat every project as though it was their own home or business. You can read more about why you should choose Complete Care Restoration on their website or just punch this number into your phone 780-454-0776. It's a great weekend to visit our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park, and that includes, of course, that special summer blizzard menu. Now, there's some of the classics. There's the Score Blizzard. I'm a big fan of the Smarties Blizzard, but in particular, today, I'm focusing on the S'mores Blizzard Treat. You know, summer was made for s'mores, and with the DQ S'mores Blizzard Treat, You can get your sweet, chocolatey, gooey, marshmallowy fix without the fuss of pitching a tent or building a campfire. Transport yourself through memories of camping trips and sleepovers with every bite of that S'mores Blizzard treat featuring marshmallow-filled chocolate bars. What? And graham cracker blended with their world-famous soft-serve Blizzard treat perfection. You'll find them at the Dairy Queens in Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road. And if through this summer you've been paying attention to your backyard space or maybe looking out the front window of your home, looking at that so-called curb appeal and realizing that you could really do something big about it, either to just improve your quality of life and help you fall in love with your home again or to prep it for sale, 
Why not take a second today and visit landscapeedmonton.ca? That's where you'll find the team at Eden Landscaping. You can browse their portfolio and check out some of the projects that they've done over the last few years, including an ultra-modern trapezoid house. Boy, did that design ever work well with that beautiful architectural design. What about the natural beauty, including that cedar pergola in Balmoral Heights or stunning stonework in Sherwood Park? Whatever your dream is, from modern to traditional and everything in between, Eden Landscaping's projects all have one thing in common. That's happy clients. You can find them online today at landscapeedmonton.ca. We got a whole bunch of emails this week. I would say that this has been one of our busiest weeks uh, to talk at ryanjesperson.com in a long time. And a couple of those had to do with Jordan Peterson. One of them in particular I'm saving for Trash Talk because that's a perfect fit. It's exactly (laughs) where it belongs. It's not a flattering one. Uh, It's from a guy named Brad who just gives it to me up one side, down the other, and I just absolutely loved it. I said this is perfect for Trash Talk. But there were some thoughtful ones as well. Uh, This was our conversation with Tristan Hopper, Mm -hmm. and uh, we were discussing on Wednesday's episode, that would be August 16th, what he makes of the rise in popularity of Pierre Poliev, mm-hmm. um, who has uh, doubled the membership of the Conservative Party of Canada, and right now, per Angus Reid, is polling to form a majority government. I mean, the election's a long ways away, but it's a trend that's not exactly convenient for the Liberals, mm-hmm. right? So, what is it that Jordan or that uh, Pierre Poliev's doing, and what is it about Jordan Peterson, who went from a, a relative unknown, a psychology professor at the University of Toronto, to a global? Uh, I mean, I know that some of you will email me if I call him a thought leader, but that is what he is to a lot of people. He packs arenas. He he sells millions of copies of his books. His his YouTube episodes have millions of views. And um, appreciated this from the Sco, who wrote in to say, "I always enjoy when you discuss people like Jordan Peterson and Joe Rogan. A very informative and nuanced discussion." on your August 16th episode on their meteoric rise in new media. That from the SCO, I appreciate this. And we got this from Brock, who said, I enjoyed that episode. He says, I do agree that the explosion of popularity is partially because there are really no conservative voices or mainstream options, you know, particularly in Canada. He says, I had to add this, though, to the conversation. I think it might be even more simple. I think it might be because guys like Jordan Peterson and Andrew Tate are two of the only voices these days that encourage men to be men and speak directly to men in a positive way. I don't know if Andrew Tate speaks in a positive way, but I'll keep stick to the email. He says, pretty much all young men have heard for the last decade is how evil and patriarchal they are, how masculinity is wrong and oppressive. And guys like Peterson and Tate and Rogan tell men it's actually okay to be a man. You can debate their beliefs for sure, and we should, says Brock. But I do really believe that so much of their popularity stems from their positive messaging to men at a time when men feel like they've been largely neglected by mainstream media and politicians. That from Brock mm. to talk at RyanJesperson.com. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you think? For like five years? You know what I mean? It's like, I think, I think guys, this is my problem when people bring this argument up. I think guys are, are turned off and feel like they're being attacked because they never have before. There's been a long run of men just 
doing what they want, getting away with whatever they want. And, you know, I'm not going to say I'm guilty, but you know what I mean? We've had a free ride. And just because people are, are calling us on some things and wanting a more equal and balanced society doesn't necessarily mean they're trying to burn down every man's house. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I hate to use that analogy because we're talking about fire today, but I feel like, I, I feel like it's like, you know, like, like, come on. Like it's not, it's not that bad. We're just trying, we're just trying to balance society here. It's not, we're not attacking all men either. We're just calling out injustice everywhere now. So yeah. Yeah. Um, Hawes says haters made Jordan Peterson famous, uh, certainly played a role. Like, you know, mm-hmm. if, if, like, the, the truly famous obviously have their legions of haters Yeah, and they, they leverage that the smart ones do to their own benefit. Yeah. I, I think it's a mix. I think it's, I think, I think one of the points that Brock makes that I would build an argument off is that there wasn't really anybody in a position of like, they'd earned a PhD. They were a tenured professor well, at a, a recognized university. They're an author and they were putting out like Jordan Peter, like what first made Jordan Peterson famous it was refusing to recognize pronouns mm-hmm. of students in his class. Of course. Like that was what, and, and, and then you remember the early headlines. And he goes like, on Rogan. And, and it wasn't Dr. Peterson. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Jordan Peterson. It was U of T professor refuses to recognize pronouns mm-hmm. or, or whatever the case, you know, the different headlines. And then it just went from there. And he would speak, he would step out, and, and these are this isn't that long ago. No. He would step out on campus at the U of T and he he'd mix it up with people. Yeah. And then they'd shoot it on cell phones and the videos would get posted and they started at like thirty thousand views, which is great. And then they were like at three hundred thousand views, and then all of a sudden the next thing you know, he's releasing these videos and he's got seven and a half million subscribers on YouTube and he's on Rogan and yeah. he's you know, I mean, he's 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 obviously made a huge name for himself and he's monetized it to a huge degree. I saw it estimated at one point his Patreon. He was collecting over eight hundred thousand a month on his Patreon. Yeah. And the difference with him, I like how you brought that up, is he's actually a smart man. He does say some things. I watch I watch Rogan. I not Rogan, the, the podcast, but I watch clips of everyone because it's relevant to our show. I watch Pierre's clips. I watch all these people we're talking about. And I was seeing um I was seeing a clip yesterday of uh, Jordan Peterson talking about something I actually agreed with. He was talking basically about brats and kids and how we need to uh, better prepare them for the world because we can't treat them lightly at home. And then they go out into the world and talk to another adult or try to make a friend at school and act like he said, <laughs> basically an asshole. And I was like, you know what? Some of the things he says are, are aren't problematic, but there are a ton of things he says that I am like, what planet are you on? Yeah, where there's a real lack of empathy. I think we might be ready to We've rock here. We good to go. Okay, let's get to this. We appreciate uh, this person's availability this morning. It is obviously a very busy and taxing time in Yellowknife and the Northwest Territories as Canadians have eyes on that region right now under an evacuation order. Uh, the Honorable Shane Thompson is Northwest Territories Minister of Environment and Climate Change. She does double duty as the Minister of Municipal and Community Affairs, and he's making his Real Talk debut this morning. Uh, just... Uh, we're now less than three hours from that mandatory evacuation deadline. Minister, thank you for making time for us uh, this morning. Where do we find you? Where are you right now? Uh, I'm in Fort Simpson, Northwest Territories. This is where I live. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, as we speak now live, about two hours, 45 minutes from the evacuation deadline. What's your assessment of how the evacuation order has been taken up by residents? 
Uh, well, it actually started before we had we seen a lot of residents started leaving, even before the order uh, was issued. With the people, a lot of people are still driving out. Um, we had uh, yesterday we had a hundred fit or one thousand five hundred thirty-seven uh, people get evacuated by air. We could plan on. We started at seven o'clock this morning, and we'll have twenty-two more flights. That's just our commercial airlines, but then we're also uh, tapping into the military with their Herc and our two Hercs and a seven one C one seventeen or C one seven. Sorry. Yeah. So you got the, um, so the high the capacity aircraft. aircraft here. Yes, correct. Yeah. So yeah, so we the, we are doing it. We are going there. It's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to go past the. Uh, the deadline at 12, but uh, we have uh, faith in what the system's doing right now. And we've got an amazing team of that's working at the Territorial Emergency Measures uh, Office there. The the military's involved. We're working hand in hand. So uh, I would have to say it's going smoothly presently. Yesterday, we had some delays, but we, again, it was about a vulnerable population. We had to make sure we got them out first. And so uh, we're moving forward now, and it seems to be smooth right now. Yeah, I was I was at a fundraiser yesterday in our home city of Edmonton, and I happened to to strike up a conversation with some high-ranking executives at the Stollery Children's Hospital, as well as those at the University Hospital. They were talking about how their teams have been preparing beds and preparing space uh, for medical patients, uh, some of them in, in significantly challenging circumstances that will be airlifted and transported to hospitals in B.C. and Alberta as well. Have you ever dealt with anything like this in your career before minister uh well not to this level um i've been the minister for municipal and community affairs over uh two and a half years i mean 2021 uh you saw the flood season that hit uh a number of communities here and one of the communities was mine um and then 2022 was the flood season and 2023 we started out with the fire then floods and now um May uh, was where the second week in May, the fire season started and it's still going on. Unfortunately, it's probably going to go up and right till the first snowfall. And then it's going to, you're going to see some fires that are going to hibernate underground. And then next spring, they're going to probably flare up again. We had that situation happen this year. Um, so that means we're going to have to be out there fighting fires quicker this year. Yeah, no, next year too. no kidding. I, I remember learning so much about that as we covered the Fort McMurray fire and and, and I had no idea, I don't know that the average civilian does, that these fires oftentimes will burn out of sight and thus out of mind for like more than a year in some circumstances. You, you, you're in an interesting position because you're, you're managing two portfolios. You're the Minister of Municipal and Community Affairs and, and, and a lot of like the right now what's happening immediately falls right in your lap. But then you're also the Minister of Environment and Climate Change. And I would imagine that you probably have a bit of a more of a comprehensive view or a holistic view of this circumstance. But there are big implications, aren't there, on the environmental side when we take a look at an emergency like this? Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I mean, you know, you look at I think there was a number that, you know, said, you know, Canada had just over 13 or 14 million hectares uh, in the Northwest Territories. We were one seventh of that. We're just we were over two million hectares, and I think we're probably close to uh, 20 or 2.5 million hectares. Um, so it has a huge impact. It has a huge impact on you know the, the wildlife and as well the water. 
Do you think it's counterproductive? We were, we were, I, I, I kind of looked in the mirror myself at the outset of this show as I was referring to this as fire season or wildfire season. And I wondered if we start to talk like that, if, if in a sense we're even subconsciously normalizing it. Do, do, do you agree or disagree? Do you think it's counterproductive to talk about fire season? Well, actually, uh, for the last four years, I've been being the Minister of Environment and Climate Change. We do talk about uh, the fire season. Um, we've been looking at it. Usually it starts uh, late May and goes till middle of August. Um, but this the season, the, like, the extreme weather and the fire has gone from now to the middle of May to, or, like I say, right now to probably end of uh, mid to end of October. Um, so I don't know if we're normalizing it. It's just the reality that we face is that this is uh, the season where uh, the time that fire is going to happen. Mm. And it's just the, the temperatures, the dryness, the droughts, the lack of uh, rain has just multiplied it by, you know, 10th fact or 10 times is what normally it is. Yeah. Minister, I know you've got so much on your plate today. So just one last question for you. You know, we, we can't uh, ignore, nor would we try to what's going on in Kelowna right now. Obviously that city is, is in the midst of a major firefight right now. We're, we're hearing word. I heard from, from mayor of Yellowknife yesterday. They, they, they don't believe, I mean, they don't believe that this fire may reach Yellowknife, but that doesn't mean that the evacuation order uh, is lifted. It doesn't mean that there couldn't be other factors. It doesn't mean that the air quality is any good around there. But you know people across the country right now have eyes on the Northwest Territories. Uh, what's your message to the rest of Canada right now as residents evacuate Yellowknife and surrounding communities? Well, first and foremost, I mean, I have to thank uh, my um neighboring province of Alberta, uh, I have to say they've been amazing. Um, I've been in constant contact with the Deputy uh, Premier, Mike Ellis. He's been nothing but supportive, offering whatever they can do. Uh, they've opened up uh, other, you know, we started with uh, Hay River and Fort Smith and, and Enterprise being evacuated. So they opened up, you know, um, evacuation centers there so you know they've been the province of alberta has been amazing but then the federal government i've been in constant contact with uh, minister uh blair before when he was the public safety candidate minister sajan has been amazing there like they've been so helpful uh they brought in loudest to you know bring in some military to help us with the fires um they've just been outstanding we've got some people that are helping with our territorial emergency management team but colleagues across canada have brought in firefighters and you've probably seen it in alberta um we have an amazing relationship with uh the canadian intergovernmental firefighting center and i probably got it wrong it's Sifty CI FFC. Um, so they've been very helpful. We've had firefighters from Alaska. We've had firefighters from South uh, America or South Africa. So the support we've been getting, and residents across Canada have been reaching out, uh, opening in their homes, saying, "Hey, if you're looking for this, you're looking for that. We're more than willing to help." Um, so I. To me, I from my heart, the bottom of my heart, I just say thank you to my colleagues from across Canada, but the people of Canada, 
Canadians are amazing people. Um, when times of need, they come out and they help. Uh, it doesn't matter if you know the person or not. I've just seen so many people be so helpful. So I have to say thank you uh, from that. Well, Minister, uh, you're absolutely right about that. When when we see fellow Canadians, when we see an entire community uh, in a circumstance like this, we can't help but feel it, too. Uh, we're grateful that you made yourself available today. And thank you so much. It's obviously a very busy time for you, and we're grateful for that. Thank you very much for taking this time. You bet. That's Minister uh, Shane Thompson. He's the Minister of Environment and Climate Change in Northwest Territories, also the Minister of Municipal and Community Affairs. So he's got a lot on his plate, uh, to say the very least, right now. And we appreciate him uh, making himself available. It's, uh, man, just all about the business right now is they're trying to get 22,000 people out of an area with really challenging circumstances. Yeah. You know, you've got one highway in and out. You've got that yeah, runway we're seeing, that they're hoping to be able to use. We're and, seeing video here of that. Like, this is, you know, the only way out. Yeah, it's very ominous, right? Like even just the smoke, to state the obvious, the smoke cover, it looks like, you know, you're driving through those big fog storms in the winter where you can barely see in front of your vehicle. And of course, there's it's undivided highway, uh, one lane each way. And um, you remember one of the only one of the only fatalities and, and may she rest in peace, uh, you know, in the Fort McMurray fire was somebody there was a there was an accident. There was a, I think it was a rollover as people were leaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, people really um and i'm not commenting on what the cause of that crash at all i'm just saying like you know people for the most part were just very like calm and orderly and you see that uh in some of the images uh leaving Yellowknife as yeah. well just long lines of cars but nobody's like in the shoulders no nobody's doing dumb stuff in the ditches everybody's just let's all get out of here okay mm-hmm. a lot of people trying to gas up their vehicles too which is a huge logistical yeah, we're challenge seeing, we're, here's i got some fo- long gas lines here in Yellowknife. Long lines waiting for charter planes here yeah, outside local airports. Yeah. Uh, so they're doing the best they can, but it's just, yeah. They're waking up to all this today on a rainy day, and it's just, it's been, it's been pretty pretty hard. Yeah, it's been it pretty been. hard today. It has yeah. been. Usually, usually in, in talk shows in, in August, like unless something big happens, talk shows in August, we're, you know, we're, we're like, is the Loch Ness Monster real? Yeah. Uh, if you swallow gum, does it really stay in your stomach for seven years? Uh, but not this year. That's just not the case. Yesterday, if you missed it, we we talked to Dr. Tour out of Calgary. She's with Project Empower, and uh, they're lobbying the federal government. They've got a petition. You've got about a week left to sign it. You can check out our episode. It's in the show notes. Um, that's our August 17th episode. She argues that birth control should be free. And it was actually, uh, I shouldn't say it was actually a great conversation. We expected it to be, but we ended up talking to her for like 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a huge amount of passion for what she brings to the table. It's no wonder that she's so decorated in her career um, because she clearly cares a lot about removing barriers to contraception. Uh, and there were so many reasons for it. And she talked a lot about basic human rights. And she talked about empowering people. And she talked about giving, in particular, younger women and younger women with, with you know, more modest or no income, more of a choice in how their lives actually play out. Uh, and I encourage you to check out that episode. It prompted an email from Christine, who wrote in to say, I'm listening to your guest, Dr. Tour." And her quest to obtain free contraceptives for Canadians. And I was astounded, Ryan, that it seemed like nobody knew that birth control was illegal in Canada until 1969. Christine says, I think like younger people know so little of the history of women and how much things have changed primarily because of the efforts of 
women. She says, while birth control may have become legal at that point in 1969, there were still many barriers to easily obtaining birth control that made things difficult for women for many more years. Coincidentally, she says, just this past week, I was reading some old journals before trashing them. She says, these words were in my journal entry from May 6th, 1979. And I wrote them after a visit to my female doctor to obtain a prescription for the pill. Okay, keep in mind, birth control had been legal in Canada for 10 years, for a decade at this point. What followed was a discussion of how at 144 pounds, I was too heavy at five foot six. Doctor said I should weigh 130. She says, here's what I wrote. I have a three-month supply of pills, and then I'm supposed to go back. She seemed a little shocked that I wanted pills. She asked if I had a boyfriend. She asked what he did for work. She asked if we were going to get married. Christine says to me, can you imagine? Can you imagine what it's like to be a young woman and hear this from your doctor? Both the fat shaming and the inference that unless I was going to be marrying my boyfriend, that I was loose. I didn't include my editorial comments from my journal, but your assumptions would be correct. And this doctor was a woman. Christine says, anyway, I thought I'd share this with real talkers and let you know that I have signed that petition for Dr. Tour. Things have definitely gotten better, but they could get better still. That is a great email, Christine, and we really appreciate that. You can send us your feedback anytime to talk at ryanjesperson.com, and you can check out our interview with Dr. Repinder Tour. Uh, it's our August 17th episode, Should Birth Control Be Free, anywhere you get your podcasts and, of course, on YouTube as well. Every Friday, thanks to our friends at Local Environmental Services, we get a chance to basically hand you the mic, uh, to, to open up the floor, so to speak, for you to blow off some steam. Uh, for you to maybe let off a little pressure, you know, for you to say what needs to be said. It's a tradition we call trash talk. Oh, yeah. And this one here, this one's from Brad, who wrote in after my conversation with Tristan Hopper about Jordan Peterson and Pierre Polyev and Joe Rogan and the others. And Brad wrote in uh, commenting on a comment that one of you made about incels and how Jordan Peterson's fans were incels. So Brad writes into me and he says this, and I wrote back to Brad and I said in one sentence, I said, Brad, not every one of Jordan Peterson's fans is an incel, but it seems like every incel is a fan of Jordan Peterson. And here's what he wrote back. He says, Jesperson, I guess you hang out with an awful lot of incels, but I've never met one. Tristan Hopper spoke for 20 minutes about the absence of, nay, the disallowance of conservative viewpoints in the mainstream media as an explanation for Jordan Peterson's outsized popularity, and your response was to agree with the listener's comment that it's incels that like Peterson. I'm laughing my ass off. Seven million incels, I guess, are following him on YouTube. If that level of perspective is typical of your show, then it's clearly childish pablum. Goodbye, bud. Goodbye, Brad. This one from Kathy, who says, Real Talk team, 
Great shows and guests this week. All that talk about Alberta's energy future really reminded me about an interview that I heard recently about natural gas leaks. She said, remember that one you did? She says this one, and this is our conversation with Jeff Galis that I had. You can check it out on our YouTube. This is Alberta's methane problem. She says, you guys were talking about that new drone, that like satellite technology that can accurately pinpoint methane leaks across Alberta. And he was talking about how repairing leaks would be one of the easiest endeavors that could benefit the environment, our health, our wallets, our producers. Does that ring any bells, says Kathy? Politicians have been aware of this issue for many, many years. Why the fuck is this not common knowledge? Why? Because of politics, she says. Nobody wants to own up to it, and nobody wants to take any heat for letting this go on so long. Kathy wonders, when are we going to smarten up and not make everything so political? Isn't that what the Ministry of Red Tape Production is supposed to be doing? Pitter-patter, Alberta! Let's get at her! That from Kathy. I love it. By the way, that Jeff Galis interview was back on July 20th. It's Alberta's methane problem. And this one from Michael. Hey, Johnny, the Elks won. The Elks won. Holy, can you believe it? They're one and nine. Now they just got to win at home to break that home losing streak. Michael says all the talk about the CFL on the show this week compelled me to write in. First off, there's a lot of logistical issues. You guys are talking about having the Grey Cup happen on Canadian Thanksgiving. Besides what you and Johnny talked about, like Stanley Cup playoffs going on the biggest hurdle. Uh, Another issue is when college football wraps up in the States, then there's the NFL draft and the CFL picks the scraps off the undrafted players. So you'd be limiting the player choice pool significantly. Another huge issue is that the Grey Cup is steeped in tradition. So moving up the game from time in November to early October, Jesperson, it's sacrilegious, says Michael. I think an immediate improvement, though, would be making it a purely one-division league. The top six teams qualify for playoffs. If five of them happen to be from the West, too bad, so sad for Eastern football fans. Tell your ownership to improve. Another improvement? Have local media. Give the CFL more airtime and sports coverage. It can be like day 20 of NHL free agency and some third-line guy is going to sign on the worst team and Sports Talk Radio in particular would talk about that for like the first 30 minutes of their show. The dog days of summer with games going on like 60 or 80 in baseball? Come on. The CFL's kicking off its season. I'm 44, says Michael. I've gone to 14 Grey Cups. Nice. 12 of them consecutively before COVID. Cool. He says it's the party of the year, regardless of where it's played at. I agree with you there, Mike. He says the league's doing all right, but there are some simple steps I could see immediately improving awareness of the CFL. And even though his subject line said, TRASH TALK in all caps, Michael signs off, thank you for your time. The most engaged and polite talk audience in Canada is you real talkers and trash talk is proudly presented by local environmental services you can check them out online at localenvironmental.ca coming up on Monday's show take back Alberta founder David Parker joins me for a long anticipated interview then Charles Adler coming up later in the week we're going to talk to Claire Hanna what's it been like being a woman working in sports broadcasting plus a lot of other stuff coming up we'll see how the news develops make it a safe weekend friends and we'll talk to you monday real talk is hosted by ryan jesperson executive producer josh dunford technical producer john hicks general manager katie cook chivers account coordinator lawrence derlego human resources lena shepherd website design mike johnston 
voiceover by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Supriya Duvetti, Ahmed Ali, Brandi Morin, Ann Castleman, Corey Hogan, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Member Emerita, Julie Rohr. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree, Dene, Blackfoot, Soto, and Nakota Sioux, home to the Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is a relay project. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.